Good morning, Orchard Church. Take out your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of, help me out one more time, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 19 this morning as you're finding your way there. Uh, let me say a special thank you to all of you who gave uh, birthday cards to me last Sunday night and surprised me with that at our night of worship. And I truly was surprised. I was out of town Sunday morning and uh, it's hard to surprise me, as my wife says. And she, my wife likes to say that I'm nosy. I like to prefer the word inquisitive. But uh, I did not know about it, and I was super uh, surprised, and so I really felt uh, blessed and loved last Sunday night. Um, even those of you that gave me birthday cards with cats on the card, uh, and there were many of them, believe me, you had a good time with that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, today we're going to wrap up, we're concluding our series in the book of Philippians. We've been going verse by verse through this amazing letter from Paul to the church in Philippi, and we've been talking about the pursuit of happiness, you know, how, how to be happy, how to be joyful, and in our lives. And I was reminded in our community just in the last couple of weeks that you don't have to look very far evidently to find happiness in this community because there's actually a neighborhood that claims that if you live in this neighborhood, you can find happiness. How many of y'all live in Reunion? Okay, Reunion. This is their, their symbol. It says, Reunion, a new hometown for the age-old pursuit of happiness. So we say it this way. There's those who live in reunion. Let me see you again. Raise your hand. Those who live in reunion. Let me hear it from you. Reunion. Okay. Well, evidently they're not happy that they live in reunion. But I like to say there are those who live in reunion and then there's the rest of us common folk, you know, around here. Yeah, there's the rest of us. But they, they tout that if you live there, you will find happiness. When you drive into their community, they have little signs that says, happiness begins here. And I was talking to uh, Terry Goldstein, our, our lead guitar and our worship team. We like to call him our Orchard Church, Eddie Van Halen. We appreciate, do you guys appreciate Terry? He does a great job. He lives in Reunion, and I said, man, you live in Reunion. You know, the signs say happiness begins here. And he thought for a second, he said, well, you know, happiness may begin in Reunion, but it ends when you get your property tax bill. And that is true if you live in Reunion, you know what I'm talking about. Well, we've been looking at the keys to happiness in the book of Philippians. So we're going to stick to the Word of God to find happiness rather than any community. Amen? And so today we're going to look at one more key to happiness found in the book of Philippians. And today we're going to talk about happiness in generosity. If you want to be someone who's happy, you have to learn to practice generosity. And I've been giving you these happiness hashtags throughout this series. So I have one more for you today. And the happiness hashtag is this today. That generous people are happy people. Let's say that together. Generous people are happy people. If you believe that, say yes. Generous people are happy people. Greedy people are unhappy people. People, though it's about me, myself, and I, you know, the word miser is the root of the word miserable. But happy people are generous people. Now, we're going to begin today with an incredible promise in the Word of God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Uh, this is a verse that if you've been in church any time, you've probably heard this verse. Uh, you probably, many of you have memorized this verse. You have it on your mirror. You have it on your refrigerator. You have it cross-stitched on a pillow. You have a plaque on your wall. This is a very famous verse we love to claim in the Bible. And it's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And so we're going to begin today by looking at the promise. Now, for those of you that are kind of OCD like myself, I admit it, I am. Some of you are freaking out right now because we've been going verse by verse through this book. And you're like, you skipped verses 15. Uh, 15 to 18. Hang in there. I'm going to go back and get those in just a moment, but I want you to first see the promise, and then I want us to go back and look at what leads up to this promise. So here's the promise that we love to claim, wonderful promise, awesome verse in the Bible, and it's right here in Philippians 4.19. Here's what Paul says. 
Again, he's writing to the church in Philippi, this thank you letter, and he says, This same God who takes care of me, and remember, Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this, will supply, help me church, all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Can we just say an amen to that verse? Do you believe that, church? I mean, what an incredible promise of God. Paul says, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And we love to quote this promise. And let me just go ahead and finish out the rest of, of this book. He, he closes this letter. He says, now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And he closes out the book with this incredible promise that our God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now let's pay attention to some, to some key words in this promise. First of all, notice it says, my God will supply all your needs, not all your greeds. There's a difference. Not all your wants, but all of your needs. And he says, not some of your needs, not most of your needs, but he says, my God will supply all your needs. This comes from the Greek word pas, P-A-S. It means anything, everything, whatever, whenever, every time. I, I would say that's pretty all-encompassing, amen? That God wants to meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches which are in Christ Jesus. You say, what about my emotional needs? Yes, what about my physical needs? Yes. What about my relational needs? Yes. My spiritual, my material needs? Yes. My financial needs, not greeds, but needs? Yes. This is all encompassing. And that's why we love this verse. And it's such an amazing promise in the Word of God that we have a God that is so good. He wants to meet all our needs according to His glorious riches, which are in Christ Jesus. And aren't you thankful that our needs are met from His glorious riches and not from our riches? I mean, this is God who owns it all. Now, here's what some of you probably are thinking right now. I mean, this is an incredible verse, an incredible promise, and I love to pray this promise and claim this promise, but I still have some unmet needs in my life. I still have some needs that I've been counting on and, and claiming this promise, and God hasn't met this need. What's up with that? Is God a liar? Of course not. Is, is Paul making this up? And we love to go into the Bible and take one verse and claim the promise and miss everything around the verse. And I've told you guys over and over the three most important rules of Bible study are, help me, Orchard Church, context, context, context. And what you're going to see is that there is a condition to experiencing this promise in Philippians 4.19. There's a condition, there's a prerequisite, there is a premise, if you will, that precedes this promise. And you can't skip the premise if you want to experience the promise of verse 19. If you're with me, say yes. So let's go back to verses 15 to 18, the premise and the prerequisite that leads up to us experiencing this promise. And remember the context of this entire letter. The Apostle Paul is writing from a Roman prison back to a church he started in Philippi, and he's thanking them for being a blessing in his life. This is a thank you letter to them. And this is what he says. Here is the premise that follows the, this promise or that precedes it. It's in verse 15. As you know, you Philippians, the church in Philippi, were the only ones who... Help me, church. What's the next word? Okay, that was really weak, all right? Uh, Gary came off and he said, they're kind of dead today. I'm going to liven you guys up if I have to come out there or something, okay? I, I, I can't jump this thing, though. But he says, he, he says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who... 
there we go, gave me financial help. He says, you were the only church that gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. He's like, you supported me financially as I was spreading the gospel and starting churches. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. He's bragging on their generosity. This is one of the most, if not the most, generous churches in the New Testament. And Paul is thanking them for their generosity, their financial help, their giving. And he's praising them for that. He's thanking them for that. And he's writing this letter with that intent. I wonder what Paul would say to us, Orchard Church. If Paul was writing a letter to Orchard Church, what would he be able to say about our generosity? What would he be able to say about your generosity if he was writing this thank you note to you individually? Would he be able to thank God for your giving and generosity? And then he goes on in verse 17. And he says, I don't say this. I don't thank God for your generosity just because I want a gift from you. Because I want you to send me more money. But rather, I'm praising you and thanking you this because I want you to receive a, help me church, reward. reward. A blessing for your kindness. In other words, Paul's saying it's not about what I want from you. It's about what I want for you. I want you to experience the blessings and the rewards of God that come to people who are generous. And you've heard me say this principle over and over. You've heard people say, you can't outgive God. If you believe that, say yes. You can't outgive God. And so when you give to God to advance his kingdom and you give to help other people in the name of Jesus, God says, I will meet all your needs. I will supply all your needs if you are generous because you can't outgive God. When you give, God gives back and he blesses. Verse 18 that precedes the promise. Here's the premise. At the moment, Paul says, I have all that I need. Now that's an amazing statement because he's sitting in a Roman prison. And he's saying, I have all I need and more. And I am generously supplied with the gifts that you, the church in Philippi, sent me with Epaphroditus. Now watch this. These gifts, your generosity, they are a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Make no mistake about it, Orchard Church. Worship always requires a sacrifice. And I've always said that one of the highest forms of worship is when we give. When we sacrificially give in Jesus' name. And, this, and he says, they're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to who? Paul? No. Pleasing to, say it, church. To God. He says, your generosity is a sweet-smelling sacrifice. It's acceptable and it's pleasing to God. In other words, it makes God smile when we're generous. When we are giving people and we're generous people, it makes God smile. It makes God happy. Here we have been studying for eight weeks in the book of Philippians, the pursuit of happiness, how we can be happy. Isn't it fun to sometimes be able to make God happy and to make God smile and to put a smile on his face? And you know how you do this? You know how you make your heavenly father happy? As children of God, we take upon the same characteristics that God has and God is a giver. For God so loved the world, he gave. And we're, we're never more like God and like his son Jesus than when we're giving and when we're generous because that's what he's done for us. And when the heavenly father, our God, sees us be giving generous people and advancing his kingdom, it makes him happy. It makes him smile. It, Paul said it pleases God. You know, we understand this as a parent. How many of you guys are parents? Your parents, okay? How many of you as parents, when you see your children sharing with other kids and other people, it makes you smile. It makes you happy. Instead of being, mine, mine, but they're sharing. Doesn't happen all the time, but it makes us smile. And the same is true of our Heavenly Father. It makes Him 
pleased and smile and happy when we're generous. I had an incredible blessing. The timing of God is always so amazing and miraculous. I had an incredible blessing happen to me a couple of weeks ago. As I was studying for this very passage right here, I received a text from my son who is playing college baseball in Nebraska. And out of the blue, he texts me this. He said, send me the link to the Orchard Tithe. That's what my son in college asked me. And so I sent him our push pay app. He wanted to give to the Lord through Orchard Church from college. Now, this is a kid playing college baseball. He's not able to hold down a job. He doesn't have much money at all. As a matter of fact, to be honest, I was a little concerned where he's getting this money to tithe off of. But that'll be another discussion for another time. But hey, praise God, he's going to tithe. And he says, hey, Dad, will you send me the link? I want to give all the way from college to Orchard Church to help advance God's kingdom. I got to tell you, as a father, that made me smile. That made me incredibly happy. And our Heavenly Father feels the same way. Our Heavenly Father, God the Father, is looking down on His children. And He's looking for those of His children who will be generous. You see, there's a premise to experiencing the promise of Philippians 4.19. If you want to live and experience the promise of Philippians 4.19, that our God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus, the premise and prerequisite is you have to be generous and you have to give. If you see that, say yes. We can't miss that part. We can't skip that part. And I want to share my heart today with the remainder of the time we have. Because I want Orchard Church to experience the promise of Philippians 4.19. Don't we as a church, amen? We want to experience the promise of God that He will supply all of our needs as a church. And I don't want us just to experience it as a church corporately. I want all of you to experience it individually in your life. I want you to experience and live under the promise of Philippians 4.19. If you do as well, say, I do. I hope you do. You say, I, I want to experience this. And I want Orchard Church. And I want you to hear my heart on this this morning, Orchard Church. God's done amazing things in the last 10 years since we started in our living room with four people. God has blown us away. We could have never dreamed and imagined all that God has done, is doing, and is going to do. But I want Orchard Church to have a reputation in this community that we are a giving church and that we are a generous church. I was sitting at a meeting with the city of Brighton because we're trying to get our building permit to build our first permanent facility next door and be praying for us. We're, we've got a target date of hoping to break ground by June. That's our target date. Um, early summer that we're going to break ground on our new permanent facility. Somebody wanted to clap. I'm, I, it's okay to be excited about that. It's okay to be excited about that. And I was sitting in this meeting and there was all these city leaders and developers and engineers and we're trying to go through the process and everything. And... They were all sitting around this big, huge table, and I was sitting there saying, Pastor, take like five minutes, which is hard for me to do anything in five minutes, but they said, take like five minutes and just tell us the history of Orchard Church and what's going on. I told them the story, and you know, we started in our living room with four people, and now we're in three services, 1,500 plus people in three services um, every weekend, and one of the people in the city there, one of the workers said, man, you guys, when you build this facility, you're going to be the biggest church in our community. You're going to be the largest church in town. We already are by the attendance. And I, said, and I stopped him and I said this. I said, you know what? We don't want to be known as the largest church in this community. We don't want to be known as the biggest church in town. We want to be known as the biggest blessing in town. That's what we want to be. The most generous church in this community. Because we say it all the time. We have been blessed to be, help me church, a blessing. We've been blessed to be a blessing. This is why we've just recently started doing this. And I'll share this today. If you're here today and you're 21 years of age or older and you have a need in your life, a legitimate need for food, shelter, clothing, 
When the offering bucket goes by, uh, there's usually a certain amount of just loose cash that people have given. And if you have a legitimate need, you can feel free to reach in and take something out of the offering if it will meet your needs. Don't we love doing that Orchard Church to help people and meet their needs? Because we want to be a blessing. We want to be a generous church. We're trying right now. We're, we have four public high schools within a half mile radius right here of Prairie View High School on our property next door. And we're meeting with all the principals. Uh, we've been working with the principal here at Prairie View for 10 years, you know, and we're now working with the principal at Timmig and the principal at Henderson, the principal at, at uh, Timmig and, and Prairie View Middle School. And we're saying, we want to be a blessing to you guys. How can we help your school? How can we help your students? How can we help your families? You know, how can we provide a meal for your teachers? Prairie View High School, the president of PTO, I believe, is now coming to Orchard Church. And she said, you know, we want to have an after prom to get kids off the street and, you know, and, and away from some of the wild parties. So after prom this year, we'd like to host something here on the campus. And, but we need money. We need help with that. We said, give us your budget. Tell us how we can help because we want to be a blessing. And here's what I want to say to you, Orchard Church. I just want to thank you. This is a letter that is a thank you note to the church in Philippi because of their generosity and their giving. And I want to thank you as your pastor. This is an incredibly generous church. The most generous church I have ever been a part of. But I think we can continue to grow in our generosity. And I just want us to take the rest of our time this morning and just to kind of celebrate a little bit what God has done right here in this community through the generosity of this church. And just say thank you. Thank you. We, we are living out the premise of Philippians 4, verses 15 to 18, so we can experience the promise of verse 19, that our God will supply all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And in 2015, our general giving was about $2.2 million that was given to advance the kingdom in this community last year. And when you guys tithe, every time you tithe, we tithe as a church. We made a decision several years ago that 10% of everything you guys give, we give to missions, to local and global missions, to start churches and spread the gospel around the world. Last year alone, Orchard Church gave over $200,000 to local and global missions alone last year. Can we celebrate that? Because of your generosity. And then we had our legacy campaign you know, giving over above tithes and offerings to help us build our new building. And, and we said, you know, we're, we're not going to just keep this for ourselves. And God laid on my heart, you know what, we don't want to just plant one church. We want to plant many churches, multiple churches throughout uh, Denver metro area and up and down the front range and, and around the United States because planting churches is the most evangelistically effective way to reach people for Christ. Churches are 400% more evangelistically effective in their first 10 years. And so we made a decision that we're going to also tithe off of all the legacy commitments. People that are giving to the building. So we have already tithed over $45,000 to church planting since we started our legacy campaign because we have a vision here at Orchard Church to be a launching pad for many other church plants. Our vision is we want to be a, a multiplying uh, church. We want to multiply disciple-making churches. And not just here, but around the world. We support five full-time missionaries. Uh, these are families that we significantly support in uh, Colombia, in the Philippines, in Haiti, in Mexico, in Slovakia. We started th we've started three feeding centers that these are our feeding centers that you guys give to the feeding centers over and above your tithes and offerings. Um, we feed over 500 kids every day in the Philippines, Haiti, and Mexico. We fully fund these feeding centers and because of your incredible generosity. So thank you. Here's a picture. Um, 
We filled Christmas shoeboxes for all of our 500 plus kids and all of our three feeding centers. And uh, we already showed you guys some pictures from Mexico and Haiti. This, this is from Philippines. And they got their Christmas shoeboxes uh, that you guys gave these boxes because of your generosity. These kids were able to have an incredible Christmas. Man, it's awesome. We could celebrate that. We, um, because of your generosity... I want to thank you for your generosity. We support two local ministries, and we're looking at others. We're talking to some other local ministries we want to start supporting. But right now, for the last several years, we support the Denver Rescue Mission uh, downtown that helps the homeless. We support the Life Choices Pregnancy Center that helps uh, unwed and single moms um, to encourage them to have their, their babies and provide for them. And then, of course, our heartbeat is church planting. And because of your generosity, I, I didn't even realize this until I started adding it up. We're only 10 years old as a church. And did you know because of your incredible generosity, we have either directly or, or helped support eight church plants in the last 10 years here at Orchard Church. Eight other church plants we have financially supported and helped get started because of your generosity. Uh, we just recently took on a brand new church plant that's starting in Henderson, uh, Nevada, just outside of Vegas. And we just took them on for support. It's a really exciting new church that has been started there. And I was talking to the guys and they said, do you think maybe you could get some of your people, you know, it's an easy flight from Denver to Vegas and, and come and help us pass out flyers and things like that. And I said, let me think about this. You want our people to go to Vegas to help with the church. I think I could sell that. I, th I think I could probably get a pretty good group. How many would you like us to bring? You know, there'll probably be a lot of sign-ups for that one. But uh, here's another thing we've been able to do because of your incredible generosity that I know is pleasing to God and it's making God smile and why we're experiencing God meeting our needs. We were able to, to start our Spanish ministry, our Spanish service, Orchard Church Latino. Started just seven months from scratch, and now they're averaging 80 people every Saturday night. They've seen 30 people saved since they started, two baptized, and 13 new members. Can we celebrate that? All because of your generosity. And the reason that we give is so that we can advance God's kingdom and reach people for Christ. That's what this is all about. It's not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. And I want to just share with you the spiritual victories of 2015 because of your generosity. And whether you gave a dollar or ten dollars, a hundred dollars or thousands of dollars, you had a part in lives being changed. In 2015 alone, we had 430 people accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in 2015 alone here at Orchard Church. 430 people. We baptized 135 people last year. 135. The average church in America baptizes seven or less people a year. We baptized 135 in 2015 alone. In 10 years, we baptized over 1,000 people here at Orchard Church. We, yeah, we can celebrate that. Amen. Amen. These are things to celebrate. Um, we saw 262 new members join Orchard Church and said, this is where we believe God is at work and we want to be a part of what God's doing to advance His kingdom in this community. 262 new members last year. We have over 500 people now involved every night of the week in our small group ministry. Uh, and then I shared this number with some pastor friends and they were blown away. Here at Orchard Church, we have a very intentional disciple-making process. We pair men with other men and ladies with other ladies. And right now, we have close to 250 people, adults, engaged in one-on-one -on -one discipleship and reproducing reproducers because Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's worth celebrating. Amen? Let's celebrate that. Because of your generosity, we were able to reach more people and more people for Christ last year. Our attendance last year, we averaged a little over 1,300 people uh, last year in 2015. That was up 18% uh, over the year before. Uh, last year we had 2,705 Easter services. We're expecting over 3,000 people this year in our five Easter services. Two on Saturday, three on Sunday. And we need your help. 
If there was ever a Sunday that you've thought about, contemplated, serving, because that's one way you can give is to serve. It, help us on Easter Sunday. Inside your newsletter is a connection card. Just give us your name. Check that box that says I'm interested in serving and then write Easter. Even if that's the only time you can serve is Easter, we'll, we'll take it. Because we need hundreds and hundreds of you to help us love on and take care of the 3,000 people that are going to be here Easter Sunday. So if you can help us out with that on Easter, please do that. You know, when it, we talk about generosity and, and giving, because this church gave financial help to Paul. Let me tell you what happened last year in 2015 at Orchard Church. And again, we're just celebrating. I'm just thanking you for the generosity of this church and what we've been able to do to, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples. Last year, our general fund, our, just our general tithes, uh, not, not our feeding centers or legacy, just our general, we were up 43% over the year before. If you add in the legacy campaign, our giving rose 72% in 2015. That is incredible growth in the area of generosity. And some of the things we're able to do with that that I've shared with you, here's some other things. At Christmas, we had five families in this community that we identified that if we don't help them with Christmas, they will not have Christmas this year. And so we were able to give to them and help them have Christmas. Uh, some of you may remember this. If you weren't here, we did the coolest thing, one of the, the coolest things I've ever been a part of in a service here at Orchard Church. We went to Domino's Pizza. I talked to the manager. I said, do you have anybody working and delivering pizzas on Christmas Eve that we could be a blessing to? Because if you're delivering pizzas on Christmas Eve, it's because you have to. And she said, well, I've got a man. We gave him a job. We really didn't have a place. We felt bad for him. He has a family of five, and they're not going to be able to have Christmas this year. He lost his job. He's delivering pizzas on Christmas Eve. So we ordered a Domino's pizza, and at our last Christmas Eve service, he had no idea what was going on. He delivered the pizza. He came out on this stage right here, delivered the pizza, and we gave him a $1,000 tip on Christmas Eve. It was so awesome. It was so much fun. It was one of the coolest things. It was, one of my, it was my favorite part of Christmas. Here's a letter, an email I received from one of the five families that we helped at Christmas because of your generosity. She said, I'm crying while I'm writing this as I've never felt so loved by a church as I do at Orchard. We struggled for two years to find a church. And when we finally found Orchard Church and wanted to become members, the devil started attacking our family, especially in the area of our finances. You guys have prayed and encouraged us so much. Days before Christmas, you brought my kids stocking stuffers and a check. We were able to get groceries we desperately needed and keep our lights on and our heat and get coats for my five, four kids as we entered winter. I am so grateful for your generosity. At a time when I felt defeated and alone, you were there for my family and I. I will never forget your self, selfless giving. You showed us the love of Christ like we have never, ever experienced before. Thank you, Orchard Church. Can we celebrate that? Man, I love it. I love it. And, you know, we celebrate this as well. You know, we've started a church, and we've been meeting here at Prairie View High School for the last nine years, but we want to establish this church in, in this community, and God is opening the door for us to do that. In 2015, uh, we were able to pay off completely with cash the 38 acres right next door on the west side of the school. We own that entire uh, cornfield out there right now. We paid that off in cash. We didn't have to raise the money to do that. We've been saving for 10 years, and because of your generosity, we were able to completely pay that land off. It is completely paid for. We've done the math on that. If we had rolled that into a loan over 20 years, we have already saved $1.5 million in interest because we have land that is paid for because of your generosity. And we, we should celebrate that. Last fall, we had our Legacy Building Fund campaign. 
Because within a 10-mile radius of Prairie View High School and our new land and where our new building is going to be, there are 55,000 people in a 10-mile radius that are, are unchurched. They, they claim no church affiliation. So we got a lot of work to do. So, so many of you guys, you prayed and you sacrificed, you stepped out in faith, and you guys committed two and a half million dollars over the next three years just for our legacy building campaign. Because we're not just building a building, help me church, we're building a legacy in this community. And we've done the math on this. Uh, we've already received almost $500,000. We're about to reach the $500,000, half a million dollars of the legacy campaign. We've already saved over $250,000 in interest because of your generosity that we've saved that we can put into kingdom work. And, and this generosity is over and above your regular tithes and offerings. Now, uh, we, we want to be, a, again, we want to be blessed to be a blessing. You know, we, not just for ourselves, but I, I shared this with the city, that when we build this new building, it's going to be a 1,250-seat auditorium. It's going to be the largest um, auditorium in our community by far. And one of the things the city has shared with us, that there's times where some of our heroes, they fall. You know, whether it's our, our veterans or our first responders, our, our firemen, our policemen. They said, when things like that, unfortunately, tragedies happen in our community, we never have a place large enough to take care of all the people. And we said, well, once Orchard Church is built, you don't have to worry about that because at no charge whatsoever, we're going to open up our facilities to have those kinds of celebration of life services. And we're not charging them for those who put their lives on the line for us every day. And we're excited about that. That's one of the ways we get to be generous. We get to be generous. And then we get to experience what Paul is talking about. That this same God who takes care of me will supply all our needs from his glorious riches who have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And I know many of you guys have, have, have stepped out in faith for the legacy campaign. Over and above your tithes and offerings. And I know you're experiencing the promise of Philippians 4.19 because of your steps of faith. If you haven't yet shared those with me, I, from time to time I get emails of how God is blessing you because of your, your sacrificial steps of faith toward our legacy campaign. Please send those to me. We want to share those together. And I right now I want you to watch a story of one family who made a commitment to the legacy campaign and how they're experiencing the promise of Philippians 4.19. And I know this will be a blessing to you. I'm Samantha Hewitt. I'm Patrick Hewitt. We've been going to the orchard for three years. For me personally, uh, I definitely am more on the tor tortoise pace of the giving, um, but just everything that we've seen at the Orchard Church really has um, impressed us and seeing God work through it, so we really did want to give to the Orchard, and so we did start giving, you know, tips here and there, and then of course it increased from that. Before, you know, it was normally, you know, we're going to give what we can, and um, after this situation that occurred we were about giving more. Us hearing about the legacy campaign it, it kind of motiv motivated us to to give. It was just weighing on our heart that we really did want to be able to give to such an awesome experience you know awesome opportunity to have God reach so many other people and us to be a part of that and we were just praying where you know we got down where we didn't really want to say our number until you know, just keep praying personally and individually, and then we would come together and sit down and figure out the amount that we wanted to give. And when the time came, we did sit down and figure out what we wanted, and we were so excited that our amount matched. <laughs> During the week of Commitment Sunday, um, all three of our cars broke down, and we had all these financial situations come up 
We were just kind of being faced with all these just struggles right when we were planning on giving to the Commitment Sunday. And ironically enough, the uh, quotes that we got on the vehicles that to fix them, the uh, at least the parts that were immediate to at least get them running, were going to be the exact amount that we had agreed on to give for the first fruit offering. He was going hunting during that time, so he was gone as well. But I think in that moment I felt, you know, if it's pleasing to God what we were doing and it was enough for the enemy to attack us, then I, we wanted to give more. I was excited on Commitment Sunday that we were able to uh, give double what we had agreed upon. While I was gone up hunting, you know, I texted her and said, I think we should give more. Um, I think we can and I think we should. And it's just kind of, you know, take that same <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of moment for both of us. That week after the Commitment Sunday, after we had given the amount that we, um, you know, doubled the amount of our first fruit and also the overall amount um, was that our, the quotes that we got on the vehicles to fix the immediate repairs, actually the quote that they had given us was came back less once they got into the vehicles and realized there were some parts that didn't necessarily needed to be fixed at the moment. So that to me was a huge victory because that was I think just God's kind of saying, yes, I'm proud of you guys for doing what you did. We've been struggling to have a baby and our second baby. I was focusing so much on the vision that I had for our life and I always had this vision that we would have a huge family, at least four kids, and it wasn't working out that way. And I need to be asking, what is God's plan for me? And what is his vision for our life? And I was able to just say, please help me to see your vision and not my own. And be at peace with that decision that if we were to have another one, we would. And if not, then that's okay too. About a month after that, we found out that we were pregnant from... And, it, and, ironically, we got <laughs> pregnant on Commitment Sunday. And then the holidays came around. Uh, Christmas was here. My grandma came around and gave us all a card. And we didn't know really what to expect. She had just said that they had a mix-up with the with her investment accounts. And so they gave, she had just a large amount of money that she came into and had to figure out what she wanted to do with the amount of money that she had received. And she had decided to give it all to the family. And so the amount that we got when we opened her card was the exact amount that we had given in our first fruit offering. And we both <laughs> just kind of looked at each other and just, we knew yeah. right away that it was, it was God's. Um, this was God and, um, for that commitment Sunday and all the struggles we went through with everything. I think the greatest feeling about the whole thing that we went through is how, you know, the ways that God shows that he's, you know, um, pleased with us. And I think that was what we were wanting to do is making sure that it, whatever we're giving him, that it's pleasing to him. And no matter what way he shows us and no matter what happens, he will show you in a way that, yeah, good job. <laughs> celebrate that incredible testimony. Man, I love that. I mean, that is a family that is experiencing the promise of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. 
They applied the premise to be generous. They stepped out in faith. And God is being true to his promise to supply all their needs. You know, and I want to just encourage you. I know we have a lot of new people in our church since we complete our legacy campaign and took our commitments in the fall. And you can have a different couple of different mindsets about that. Some of you might be like, dodged a bullet. I'm glad we weren't here for that. But, or you could look at it and say, you know what? God is doing amazing things in this community to advance his kingdom. And I don't want to sit on the sideline. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Amen? And then we, we start breaking ground. And you see that building going up. You go, I know I've got a part in that. And most importantly, I've got a part in all the lives that are going to be changed that come in and out of that building. So if you're new to our church and you weren't here for our legacy uh, building campaign, go to orchardlegacy.com. Go check it out. You can watch the video. Read all about that. Uh, you can go by our Got Questions table in the lobby, pick up one of our brochures and our commitment cards, and I can encourage you to to consider, you know, making a commitment, being a part of the team, being a part of what God is doing here at Orchard Church. Those of you that have made commitments to the Legacy Campaign, God bless you. Thank you, thank you for your generosity, and would we not welcome other people to join us as we advance God's kingdom? Would we welcome that, Orchard Church? Let me hear from you. We would welcome that. As we close out this morning, this passage in this series, you know, There's a premise to the promise of God supplying our own needs, and it's that we be generous. And I want to help some of you for just a moment. If you say, you know, I I could be more generous. I I feel like God is speaking to my heart. I know I could grow in the area of generosity. You have this in your notes. I want to give you two thoughts. There's two ways to be generous. One is by reason. And when you're generous by reason, this is the question you ask. What can I afford to give? What can I afford to give and how can I take care of myself first? And if there's anything left over, then I'll give it to God or give it to somebody else. And I'll basically meet my own needs. And it takes no faith to be generous by reason. But there's a better way to be generous and it's not by reason. It's to be generous by revelation. And if you're generous by revelation, you ask this question. What does God want me to give? And I'm willing to step out in faith and obey what God asked me to do. And then I believe, Philippians 4.19, that my God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches, which are in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to try to meet my needs. I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to trust that God is going to meet my needs. Amen, Orchard Church? That's what we're talking about. Am I going to be generous by reason or revelation? And you know, we talk about what revelation and God revealing what to give. There's a starting point in the Bible for giving. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, there's a starting point. There's a training wheels of giving. It's not the end, but it's the starting place, and it's called a tithe. You've probably heard of that. The word tithe is a biblical mathematical term. It means 10%. It doesn't mean 5. It doesn't mean 15. It means 10% of what God has blessed us with. We give back to him first. Now, the beginning place for giving and generosity is understanding this, that God owns it all anyway. Amen? He owns all of it. He's entrusted us with all of it, but there's a portion he specifically asks us to give back to him. In Leviticus 27.30, it says it this way, one-tenth, that's a tithe, of the produce of the land, whether the grain from the fields or the fruit from the trees, in other words, however God provides your means of living, belongs to who, church? The Lord. It really doesn't even belong to us, and it must be set apart to him as holy, given that first 10% to him first, because we believe we give of our first and our best, then God will bless the rest. And that's what he says. It's a biblical tithe. That's the starting place for generosity. Some people say, well, tithing was just an Old Testament thing. That's really not a New Testament thing. Well, last time I checked, in the New Testament, Jesus himself in Matthew 23, 23 said this. You should tithe. That's pretty easy to understand, right? I mean, if Jesus said you should tithe, that's good enough for me. That's what Jesus said. That's the starting place for generosity. And there's a, there's a great passage in the Bible in um, the Italian prophet Malachi 3.8. 
Some of y'all will get that. Uh, Malachi 3.8. This is the biblical blueprint for generosity and tithing in the starting place. And God is writing to his people Israel who knew that the first tenth tithe was to go to the Lord. But they had stopped doing it. They started trying to meet their own needs instead of trusting God to meet their needs. And so he sends the prophet Malachi and he says this. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And he says, you've cheated me of the what? Tithes and offerings. Now, offering is over and above the tithe. You don't give an offering till you first give a tithe. They had cheated of both of those due to me because those belong to God first. And then he says, you're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. You see, when we don't tithe and we're not generous, not only do we miss out on the promise of Philippians 4.19 and the blessing, but the Bible says when we, we're not tithing, not only are we missing the blessing, but we're under a curse. I don't want to be under a curse. I want to be under God's blessings. I want you to be under God's blessings. I want our church to be under God's blessings and the fulfillment of the promise of Philippians 4.19. So God tells us how to make this right. Here's what he says. He said it to those in Malachi. Bring all the tithes, the whole tithe, the 10%, into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. The temple in the Old Testament was the place of worship. Today, the place of worship is the New Testament church. I believe the New Testament local church is the equivalent of the Old Testament Old Testament storehouse. And if you do, if you're generous, if you trust God in this area of tithing, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for who? For you. Here's the blessing. And I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. That sounds a whole lot like Philippians chapter 4. The premise, when we're generous, we can't outgive God. God will then fulfill his promise to meet and take care of all of our needs if we do what he's asked us to do. He says, I will pour out a blessing. So great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then he says something that's the only place in the Bible that you will find this. God says, try it. Let's say it together. Put me to the test. God says, try it. Put me to the test. If I will not fulfill my promise. That's what God says. And again, this is not about what we want from you. This is what we want for you. Listen, Orchard Church does not need your money. God does not need your money. But we all need to live under the blessings of God and the promise of Philippians 4.19. Amen? That's what we're talking about here. And so something we've done over the last several years here at Orchard Church based upon Malachi chapter 3 where God says, try me and test me is we've done something called a 90-day tithe challenge. Last year when we did this, we had over 187 families and individuals take the 90-day tithe challenge where they tithe for 90 days to take God at his word, to try him and test him and see if God wouldn't meet and supply their needs and bless them. And I can't tell you, I can tell you that probably monthly, I have people email me, stop me after church and say, thank you so much for telling me what Malachi chapter 3 says, to test God in the area of tithing and generosity because God has blessed us beyond what we ever imagined. I can't believe we went so many years missing out on this. And people have thanked me. Well, we're not taking three weeks this year. I wasn't planning to do this at all, but it's right here in our passage. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. For some of you, if God is speaking to your heart about the area of generosity, to, to, to start where God starts with 10% with the tithe and take the 90-day tithe challenge. And here's, what, here's how you do this, to test God, to, to take him at his word. Right now, I want you to take out your connection card, all of you that's in your newsletter. There's a connection card. Take that out right now. And if God is speaking to you about taking the 90-day tithe challenge, what you're saying is, for the next 90 days, I am going to tithe 10% of what God blesses me with. I'm going to give it back to him. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live on that premise that I'm going to experience the promise of Philippians 4.19 and Malachi chapter 3 that God's going to meet all my needs and pour out a blessing. And here's the deal. I want your name and I want your email address. Not so I can bug you about it because this is between you and God because I want to send you a welcome letter to the 90-day tithe challenge that will begin today. And then I want you to, to email me your stories of blessings when God shows up in radical ways and he's going to. And then we email those out to everybody taking the 90-day tithe challenge so we can all celebrate in the amazing thing that's, that God is doing. Amen? We want to celebrate as God is being true to his word and his promises and what he says. And this is my favorite part of the 90-day tithe challenge is just getting all the stories and the emails of all the amazing blessings of God. That people are experiencing because of t stepping out in faith and, and trying God and putting this to the test. And so I want your name, your email on the line that says other just put 90 day tie challenge or tie challenge. Drop that in the offering bucket and you're set. You're signed up. You're good to go and do this. Now there's a catch. There's always a catch, isn't there? But it's a good catch. You're going to like this. We've done this every year. If you do this and you step out of faith and you say, I'm going to tithe for the next 90 days and I'm going to try God at his word. I'm going to test him and I'm going to see if he fulfills his promise. And if, you, if at the end of 90 days you don't believe that God has blessed you and it's not always financially, but God has not in some way blessed you, you just let me know. We'll give every dime back that you've tithed. That's how confident we are in God's word. Fair enough? So it's really a no-lose. So that's what we're encouraging you to do and step out in faith with that. As we close this morning... One of our values here at Orchard Church that we talk about all the time is we want to be a church that acts our wage by giving first, saving second, and then learning to live on the rest. We want to learn to give first because we have a give first God. Amen, church? For God so loved the world, help me, he gave. And we're most like Jesus when we give. We want, to be a, we want to give first. We want to learn to save second because it creates healthy margin in our lives. We don't want to have to live paycheck to paycheck and, and not have emergency fund. And then we want to learn to live on the rest, which helps us to be content. Paul talked about that last week. He said, I've learned whatever state I am to be content. And, and giving in that way, giving first, saving second, learning to live on the rest helps us to be content. Why? Because generous people are happy people. Generous people are happy people. And as we close this series on the pursuit of happiness, let me close with the words from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Acts, it says this, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, there is more, help me church, there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. Do you believe that? There is more happiness, there is more joy, there is more satisfaction, there is more blessings, and there's more Experiencing the promises of God when we make a choice to be generous, not by revelation, but by reason. And when we do, our Heavenly Father looks down on us and He is pleased. It is a sweet smelling savor to Him and it makes our God smile and it makes Him happy. And when we make God happy, we're happy too. We're happy too. Father, thank you for your word this morning. May we grow in the area of generosity. May we apply the premise of Philippians chapter 4, verse 15 to 18 to be giving and generous people and then be able to experience the promise of verse 19 that you are a God that will supply all of our needs according to your riches, your glorious riches that are found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we continue in an attitude of prayer right now. If you're here today as a believer in Jesus Christ and you'd say, you know what, God has spoken to my heart about the area of generosity. I know that I could grow in this area of my life. I want to experience the promise of Philippians 4.19 by applying the premise of being a more generous person. 
If that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around but myself, could you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you all across the auditorium? Just lift up your hand. Lift them up high. Lift them up high. God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, I know I need to grow in the area of generosity. Father, I pray that you would help us all to grow in our generosity, whether it's tithing or giving an offering or helping start feeding centers or supporting missionaries or planting churches, helping a friend in need in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, God, that we would grow in the area of generosity and then experience the promise of your word that you will pour out a blessing so great we won't even know what to do with all of it. I pray that, God. We want, I want our church to experience Philippians 4.19. I want individuals to experience Philippians 4.19. We want to make you happy. We want to make you smile. We want our generosity to be pleasing to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed as we just continue an attitude of prayer for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, generosity started 2,000 years ago when God sent his son Jesus to die in your place to pay and atone for your sins and if you've never received the gift of salvation you really it's hard to be generous until you experience the greatest generosity from God that gave his son for us and I want to invite you today to invite Jesus in your life to to receive the gift of his generosity of salvation forgiveness of sins a home in heaven a relationship with Jesus and if that's you today, you've, you've never made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray right now where you sit from your heart to God's. Now listen, this isn't a magic prayer. and These aren't magic words. But if you put true faith and belief behind this, Jesus will come into your life today. Forgive you of your sins and be your Lord and Savior. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's and mean it? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I accept the gift of salvation. Jesus, I'm asking you today. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you. Thank you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody look around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer... That's the greatest decision you could ever make by receiving Christ. And I'd love to, the privilege to pray for you that you would grow in your relationship and walk with Jesus from this day forward. Would you just slip up your hand all across the auditorium right now? Yes, I pray. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, up there. I see you. Thank you. Several people. Anyone else? Just put up your hand nice and high so I can see it. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Several people. God bless you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you the first service and second service and I thank you in advance for those who are going to make that decision in the third service may they grow in the grace and knowledge of you in the days ahead may we meet them and help them to grow and, and disciple them to maturity and Lord help us all to be a people that give first because we have a give first God and help us to be generous thank you for the generosity of your son who saves us and loves us we pray all this in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Amen. 
If you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about it on your connection card and drop it in the offering bucket so we can continue to pray for you and send you some material in the mail. If you're a first-time guest this morning, thank you so much for being our guest at Orchard Church. Um, hopefully you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guest. This was a message for uh, believers and God's people that call Orchard Church their home. But we're definitely interested in you. So let us know that you're here. Drop that connection card in. We'll send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail for being our guest. I'd love to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent. So stop by and introduce yourself uh, before you leave today. Uh, right now, we are going to check out what else is going on around at Orchard Church. And we're going to get to do what we've been talking about as we give and worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings. God bless you, Orchard Church. I love you. Thank you for being here today. Here's what else is going on around Orchard Church.